1: It's your call for the best college football coverage, from national signing day to the national championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover Three Podcast.
2: All right, guys, welcome back into the Cover Three College Ball Podcast. This is another one of our Around the Clock series specials. And, man, I'm really excited today to be joined by my friend Dave Biddle of Bucknuts.com. Dave, what's going on?
1: Bud, great to be with you. It's going to be uh, nice talking some Ohio State football with you and college football in general, man. Thanks for having me on.
2: We're only a couple weeks away now, seven, eight weeks. Fall camp's about to start, and Ohio State's crushing it on the recruiting trail. If you guys go to bucknuts.com, become a VIP member, you can get all that great scoop from the elite team that you have over there. This morning, I was listening to y'all's exclusive interview with five star quarterback Quinn Ewers on the Bucknuts Morning Five podcast. And I'm who better to have to talk Ohio State than Dave Biddle? So we'll. We'll jump into this. A a question that I've been leading off with for pretty much all of our guests has been, what what do you take away from 2020? How how real was it? And maybe that's a silly question because obviously Ohio State made it to the natty. Uh, But for some teams, they don't take away much at all because they had so many COVID interruptions and a limited number of games. How how much conclusions can you draw from 2020?
1: Yeah, like with any other team, it was such a crazy season. And maybe even, you know, you know, even – More so with the Buckeyes because they only played really five regular season games and they played three postseason games, which is just crazy when you think about it because they played when you count the Big Ten championship game as a postseason game and then the two playoff games. I mean, it's just wild to think about five regular season games and three and three postseason games in the same season. And, you know, I think from Ohio State standpoint, but I think it worked out uh, pretty darn well, I would say, because they got the Clemson monkey off their back. Uh, They had never beaten Clemson ever. And they lost in spectacular fashion, going back to the first time they played, Woody Hayes' last game with the punch to the Clemson player in the Gator Bowl. And they played the game where you know Sammy Watkins and Taj Boyd put on a show, uh, close game in the Orange Bowl. But Braxton Miller never played quarterback again. Um, you know He was hammered to the turf by Vic Beasley. And Braxton Miller never played quarterback in a game ever again. Then you had the 31 nothing debacle in the uh, uh, playoffs in 2016. And then the loss in 2019 to Clemson. So finally they got the Clemson monkey off their back. They won the national or they won the big 10 championship and then they just flat out got beat by a better team in Alabama. So in the national championship game. So now Ohio state fans will say, you know, the Buckeyes weren't at full strength and they weren't, but Alabama was going to win that game. I think even if Ohio state was at full strength, was it going to be a blowout? Maybe not. Uh, But I think it worked out pretty well for Ohio state overall. um, Even though it was an absolute insane season.
2: (laughs) No doubt. So just got just got on Tape and Cover 3 podcast with Tom Fornelli. He's a huge Bears fan. He's super excited about Justin Fields. You know, Fields took what every snap at quarterback last year. I, I I believe or 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 damn near it. Um
1: Yeah, there, yeah, he had the couple of plays here, but I mean, there was a the play in the Clemson game where it looked like he just got just completely, I mean he did get lit up. I mean, he got hammered. Um and it looked like it's even going to be able to come back. He missed one play. And CJ Stroud, the true freshman, he's probably going to be the starting quarterback this year. But I say probably almost definitely will be the starting quarterback there. And he was in there for one play against Clemson. He got in there for – he was in there for one play or a few plays against Michigan State. Um, but, yeah, Fields took almost every snap, yeah.
2: For, for those who, who you know, aren't like us and not, not on the recruiting trail who haven't seen C.J. Stroud, what does what the coaching staff what, – what are your sources love about him?
1: Yeah, he's composed. He's accurate. He can make – you know, he doesn't have an absolute, um, you know uh, – off the charts arm, but he's got a really good arm. He can still make all the throws, and he's mobile. He's not a run first quarterback; he's a pass first quarterback. But he's mobile. He can, you know, they'll have they'll have a few quarterback runs for him that that they they that they call. He also can keep plays alive and still throw the ball downfield, and he can scramble. Um, you know, he's not going to be as, as good as Justin Fields or Braxton Miller in that respect, but um, you know, he, I, he's going to be an all around good quarterback. What I really like about him, Bud, is he was always a guy Ohio State was looking at. And I know you know this as well as anybody following recruiting. He was a kid playing against top competition in California. And the Buckeyes already liked him. Uh, but he wasn't a kid that everybody was like, oh, he's a five-star prospect from the time he was a sophomore. He was like, I think, I believe, originally a three-star kid. Worked his way up to four-star. Then eventually he was like knocking on the door to be a five-star. Maybe he was and got back to a high, very high four-star. I like that against top competition. And worked himself into being, I believe, the number three quarterback in the country in his class. Um, so... I really like how he keeps getting better and better and better. You feel like his best football is still ahead of him. He moves the chains. And he's he's one of those guys when you're out at like, you're not going to see too many practices, but the ones that we get did get to see in the spring, including the spring game, he's, you want this out of your quarterback, of course. His teammates gravitate toward him. You can just tell that they just, there's a vibe around him. They also like Kyle McCord, though, the true freshman, who was handpicked by Ryan Day. So they like Kyle McCord a lot. They like C.J. Stroud, but, but I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. And those are a few of the things that the coaches like about him.
2: So, Dave, regardless of who it is, obviously it does sound like like you you said, it'll likely be C.J. Stroud. Have you ever covered a a more talented receiver room than what Ohio State has in 2021?
1: I have not. When you go one through, let's go one through at least six, um, I know people are going to say the depth isn't that good, but I don't think if you were in seventh or eighth or ninth you are going to play anyway (laughs) in this group. But no, to answer your question, I mean, there's been some really good groups that are like, Top heavy, you know, we have one through three really good with Antonio Holmes and Ted Ginn and Anthony Gonzalez. And then some good receivers after that, like Brian, like young Brian Rubisky, young Brian Hartline as a freshman. So that was a really good group there. I believe that was 2005, 2006 around then. There's been some other good ones when David Boston was here and Terry Glenn and all that. But and no, the team that beat Oregon
2: at, had a bunch of young guys who ended up being like NFL studs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like Michael uh, Thomas and those dudes. Yeah, my, exactly. Exactly. Michael Thomas was underutilized big time at Ohio State. Of course, they did win a national championship yeah. with him. Had a pretty good running game with Zeke Elliott. But yeah, man, to your point, when you look at Chris Olave, and I'm still um, you know, a little surprised he came back, but Buckeye fans are thrilled he did. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at the top, right there you got two of the best wide receivers in the country. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be really good as that number three receiver this year. He was good as a true freshman last year. Uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to slide into that number four spot, and that means Emeka Egbuka and Julian Fleming are going to be five and six in whatever order, if you believe what I'm saying, which I, that's I, I would always caution people. Maybe don't believe what I'm saying, but <laughs> think about that. If they are five and six, those are the number one wide receivers in the country in their respective classes. Julian Fleming in 2020 and Emeka Egbuka in 2021, and those guys are all going to play. All six are going to play. I'm just saying, if it works out, those are five and six. Marvin Harrison Jr. looks fantastic to me, even though Fleming looks good, and I thought Emeka Egbuka looked really good in the spring too. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. looks fantastic. So I think he's going to be number four. The top three are locked in. And then that just goes to show, to your point, the depth there, um, it's crazy. It's Fleming and, and Abuka, in whatever order, five and six, that, that tells you you've got uh, extreme uh, quality depth at wide receiver. I,
2: I remember uh, I was in the, the Alamo Dome for the the old Army Bowl combine, right? And I, I one of the first guys I walked up on was Ibuka. Like and he was like out of the block. His explosion was nuts. And then he just... He kept getting faster down the line, and I asked the guy, "What do he run?" and and he's like, "Well, it's the fastest kid we had all day." Uh, that, but he's built like a running back too. Like that, that's that's striking. And it, what's also kind of, I think, illuminated on this group, Dave, not not that not that Williams was going to be a, a backup like like a defined back. I'm sure he was going to play some, but for him to transfer to Alabama and potentially start for the Tide. How many other teams out there have anybody who's a backup who might go be a starter at Alabama? Like, that's a freaky position room.
1: It really is, and it does go to show um, it is a kind of a perfect storm. Ohio State has recruited so well there with Brian Hartline. Even the guys that weren't you know top recruits have developed. I mean, Chris Olave was a three-star recruit. Um, so it's been a perfect storm of Ohio State collecting all of this talent where uh, Jamison Williams is looking at it like, yeah, I'm going to play, but I am, you know, I'm not going to play as much as I want to for sure, especially with Olave coming back. I'm sure that was the final straw. And it's a perfect storm of Alabama losing a lot of quality wide receivers. Right. And they've got some good ones coming back, but, you know, they're just not as deep there as they usually are. Probably the one position on their team that could use uh, a little shot in the arm. It's a little bit of a perfect storm there, but yeah, that does, it is a feather in Ohio State's cap. You know, Jamison Williams, when I first heard he was going to transfer uh, Bud, I was thinking, okay, I'll probably go to Missouri. That's his home state. You know, it'll do well there. Good for him. When I saw Alabama, I was like, damn, you know, this is – I mean, you're going to the king of college football. Um, so it does – it makes Ohio State look good in a respect, but uh, it is a little bit of a perfect storm though with Ohio State collecting all this wide receiver talent and Alabama having that, that one need. I tend to think if he's not a starter there, you know, he'll be there third or fourth uh, wide receiver. He's got tremendous speed. He can also help on special teams. He looks skinny, but he's wiry strong and he's tough. Like, he'll go down there on the kickoff coverage team and throw his body in there. And he got a guy running down there at 4-3 or whatever, 4-4, four, four, and then throwing his body in there. Like, that, that's good on kickoff coverage. So he'll, he'll help them on special teams, too.
2: It, it, he was always a guy to me that just kind of floated. You know, it looked, looked like his feet weren't really, like, getting deep in the turf. He just kind of danced around on the turf. Just it, it, was, it was effortless. Um, Dave, got to ask you about the run game here. One of our favorite prospects of, of the 2021 cycle, Travion Henderson, comes in as a true freshman where do you see him fitting in? Is he going to be in the mix to be the starting running back? And, and how do you think this, this you know, running game will shape up along with the offensive line
1: and the backs? Yeah, bud. I'm very intrigued to see how this worked out. I, I, how this is going to work out. I'm very bullish on Travion Henderson. In fact, I'm on the record that he will be the leading rusher by the end of the season. I think okay. it's going to be you know, the three main guys probably start the year off with. And I think Master T will take the first tote of the season in a Thursday night game, Big Ten game at Minnesota. Minnesota's a good team at their place, uh, the newest stadium in the Big Ten. It's you know more than 10 years old, I believe, now, but still the newest stadium in the Big Ten there in Minneapolis. That'll be an interesting game. So I think Master Teagle take the first toad of the season. Mayan Williams is going to be in there a lot. A uh, big back that really was impressive. And he only had 10 carries. Man, he looked good as a true freshman last year. A kid out of Cincinnati. Uh, a kid that was just a three-star prospect, but another kid that looks like he might have been underrated. Um, but I, like I said, man, I'm on record. I think Trayvon Henderson will be – the leading rusher by the end of the year. Even all three of those guys are going to be in the mix. Um, I love his explosion. You know, you talk to Ryan Day in the spring, Tony Alford, the running backs coach, they say he will definitely have a role. Kevin Wilson, the offensive coordinator, they're not going to come out and say he's the starter. So that told me, like, they're of course not going to come out and say he's the starter. So the way they talked him up made me think, oh, that, I was, that was even more than what I expected them to say. So they're very impressed with him. They've got some other guys in the mix too. Evan Pryor's uh, another true freshman that they like. You know, Marcus Crowley. Uh, you know, a kid coming off a torn ACL, they liked him as well. He was good as a true freshman a couple of years ago before tearing his ACL. But, again, I think Teague's going to get the first shot. Mayan Williams is going to be in there a lot. and But I think Travion Henderson is going to lead this team in rushing. You're not going to have a cow running back, most likely. At least a couple guys get hurt. Um, they're going to have running back by committee. But then, again, that was their plan last year was running back by committee, bud, with basically Teague and Sermon. And what do we see by the end of the year? Sermon just took that job yeah. and ran with it. So that could happen with a Travion Henderson or even a Mayan Williams or Master Teague, but my prediction is Trayvon Henderson will uh, lead this team in rushing.
2: Are you expecting about the same on the offensive line, or, or better or worse, and if so, why?
1: The offensive line is going to be really good, and uh, it's tough when you lose, because I'm very high on Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis. I think both of those guys, you know, the Packers getting him late in the second round, and then Wyatt Davis going to the Vikings in the third. I think both of those teams are going to love those picks for years to come, um, but this offensive line is going to be really good. I'm surprised that Thayer Munford came back I didn't, he wasn't even on my radar, but as a guy that was going to come back, he was a senior last year, even though I knew he could. Um, you know, didn't register, even though I, so that's why he could have come back as a fifth-year senior. Three-year starter. He started as a sophomore, and, you know, and then started, you know, the year after that and started last year. I'm thinking, okay, he's gone for sure, even though it would probably be maybe a third-round pick at best, fourth-round, definitely gone, right? Six-foot-six, 320. He comes back, and it's like, whoa. Um, so that's huge at left tackle. Then right tackle, Nicholas petit Ferre. who was actually the number one offensive tackle – in the country in his class in 2018, he's back as a fourth-year junior, and he was good as a first-year starter last year. So those tackles are set, and they're really good. Paris Johnson, who they love, who's going to be a future NFL tackle, um, is going to start at guard this year. He's the number one offensive tackler, as you know, in the country in the 2020 class. He's going to be one of the starting guards. So those three they just absolutely love. I think Matt Jones, a guy that started a lot uh, at, uh, at guard last year, a guy that came in when Harry Miller you know, got COVID and all that, uh, Matt Jones is probably going to start at left guard. So that's their fourth starter. And that's going to come down. Is it going to be Harry Miller at center? Is it going to be Luke Whippler? Matt Jones could even play center and they could put somebody else at guard. Um, they've got a guy named DeWan Jones, who's a mountain of a man at six eight three sixty, Who's going to be that swing tackle. Oh, yeah. I love this offensive line. I think it will be as good as last year's. I, I think, you know, Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers will tell you that their best football was 2019, not 2020. They were both banged up. That's a big reason and all the COVID stuff. So, they didn't play their best football last year. So I, I actually think the 2021 offensive line will be better than the 2020 offensive line, but losing Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, I mean that that is going to hurt, but man, this is going to be a really good offensive line.
2: Awesome. All right, now we have to talk about the other side of the ball, which it was still good last year, but there were moments where it wasn't, you know, necessarily great all the time. Most notably the, you know, the game against Alabama, but Bama did that to basically everybody everybody they played. Sure. Uh, throughout the whole year what what are you expecting out, out of the defense this year it's it's surprisingly kind of low in terms of returning production percentage you know across the country they, they did lose you know some key pieces how are you expecting those pieces to be replaced what what are you seeing i guess just dave empty the notebook on the defense if if you will it's maybe not a great question <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm very curious about this
1: yeah i think that's a great way to put it actually just open the notebook um that's what i tend to do anyway i'm very long-winded as you can tell um yeah, they have to get exponentially better. They can't they, – they'll be better defensively. They need to get exponentially better, you know, specifically at passing defense. They were one of the worst passing defenses in the country last year, sixth worst in the country in passing defense. Yeah, I mean, small sample size, okay, you can say that. Um, eight games. You play a quarter of those games against Clemson and Alabama. But still, Indiana was torching them. Other teams in the Big Ten, were, you know, that were in the same boat as Ohio State uh was torching them in the passing game they were good against the run they were the sixth best in the country against the run but overall you add it up they were in they believe they finished 56th in the country in total defense that's unacceptable the way this offense is going to be it's going to be an elite offense we just outlined the offense i believe it's going to be a top five offense maybe better than that um and this defense needs to be top 20 bud if, if ohio state's going to be a serious national championship contender not just a team that's going to win the Big Ten. And then maybe go to the college football playoff and, and it doesn't work out for them. If they're going to be an actual team that can get past an Alabama if they face them again, this has to be at least a top 20 defense. I think they can get there, but there's a lot of unproven parts here. Now I like the defensive line a lot. Larry Johnson just reloads. They've got a ton of guys up there. They've got veterans and they've got young guys. We'll see about JT Tuimolo wow, if he joins that group. But regardless, they're going to have a good defensive line. Linebacker, we'll see. I mean, they um, have a lot of unproven guys there. Taraja Mitchell's going to get be a guy that's finally going to get his shot. They've got a hybrid. They call the bullet hybrid outside linebacker, safety, and Craig Young, who they really like. He seems locked into a starter role. Then we'll see at middle linebacker. They've got Cody Simon, young guy they like. They've got Tommy Eichenberg, a guy they like, who's a young guy, third year sophomore. Um, And we'll see about Pele Gaitioate. He's transferred in from USC, but he's got to get a waiver little convoluted situation there but just the fact that they were going after Henry Toto went to Alabama tells you a lot then they have to go to another they have to go to plan B that tells you they don't love their depth there there's some other guys cave Pope so linebacker is a question mark um, and then the secondary is not a huge question mark but it's definitely a question mark so I like some of these guys they have like Josh Proctor at safety Latham Ransom I tend to think Seven Banks is a second year starter who struggled as a first year starter last year see this all the time at ohio state and probably other college football programs that first year as a, as a starting corner you struggle that second year seems to lock in for ohio state corners so i think seven banks especially as a senior is are going to have a good year then who's going to be opposite him is a big question is it going to be ryan watts a big six foot three corner out of texas a registered freshman is it going to be cam brown who's coming off a torn achilles if cam brown's healthy it'll be him but man that's a tough injury to come back from if you're a corner so um, I like the talent in the secondary, and I'm leaving some young guys out that they, they really like, including some incoming freshmen. So they like the talent there, but it's very young um, and unproven. So we'll see what happens. But like I said, man, this defense can't go from like 56 in the country to like 40th. That's, that's unacceptable. they got to be a top-20 defense if Ohio State's going to be a true national championship contender.
2: No doubt about it. it one difference I noticed last year, and my, my, my co-host on Cover 3, Tom Fernelli, brought this up as well. Is that Ohio State's pressure rate stayed about the same from 2019 to 2020, but their sack rate kind of plummeted. It felt like they would get close to the quarterback quite often, but not actually, you know, close the deal and 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 get get the QB on the ground with with the hit. Is is there somebody you think is going to step up and and you know become that finisher for them on the D line this year?
1: Yeah, I my prediction is Tyreek Smith is going to lead this team in sacks, and I know Zach Harrison could be. A popular answer and it could be him. I think those will be the two starting DNs. And Zach Harrison was the number one DN in the country in his class in 2019. Played well, bud, as as a true freshman in 2019, and you know, spot duty here and there, um, the Chase Young season, which is a reason Ohio State sack total was so high and sack rate was so high in twenty nineteen is yeah. because they had that animal yeah, that Chase is Young. the predator, uh, Chase Young. Man, um, but um, but yeah, you're right. There was a lot of times last year where they got close and and just couldn't finish the deal. So Zach Harrison's a guy that was good as a true freshman in 2019 in, in spot duty. They expected a lot. That big jump from freshman to sophomore didn't happen. Did not happen. A lot of times they use a five man rotation on that D of just defensive ends, not, not the D line as a whole, just defensive ends. They played five guys last year, considered them all starters. A lot of times Zach Harrison was the fifth guy in the game. Hmm. But so that tells you everything. He also started a game or two. So, you know, but Larry Johnson considered them, but they had five starters, but it told me a lot that sometimes he was the fifth guy in there. Now they're saying he's turned the corner and he's going to have a big year. So it could be Zach Harrison, but I think it's going to be Tyreek Smith. He's a guy that really came on toward the end of last year, didn't play in the national championship game because of COVID, but against Clemson was fantastic. And the Big Ten championship game was fantastic, but especially against Clemson, played his best football of his career. Uh, and now as a fourth-year guy, I think he's going to break out. And they've got other guys. Jack Sawyer, a true freshman, is going to play a lot, uh, but I, I don't think he's going to lead the team in sacks. Tyreek Smith is my guy that I think is going to be able to finish this deal and be you know, a double-digit sack guy this year.
2: There are basically no questions about Ryan Day's scheme on offense. The guy just finds a way to put up points. I, mean, I know he's got freaks, but like you know, technically and, and schematically, they're they're pretty brilliant to watch. Defensively, uh, when 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 they lost, um, oh shoot, Boston College's head coach, Jeff, uh, yeah, Jeff Hafley. When, when, when they lost Halfley and 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 went to Kerry uh, and, and a host of other, other folks weighing in, how much different was the scheme? How different was the scheme? Was there communication issues? What what was sort of the the non you know talent reasons for that? You think?
1: You know, the scheme wasn't that different. It was a little bit. They did a little bit less of the single high safety. Um, but Ryan Day really wants to do that. Kerry Combs had never done that. Jeff Hapley believed in it. Um, you know, so there was some schematic differences. Um, there were times where they had four linebackers on the field together. Um, now they had to do that sometimes out of necessity because guys were out for injuries they Had a lot of – and even times guys weren't out because they actually had COVID. There was contact tracing and – you know, all that stuff that went on. So sometimes they were depleted and they had to get with four linebackers, according to the coaches. So part of it was schematics. And part of it was, you know, just all of the guys they lost to the NFL. And Ohio State does reload. It's not the first time they lost a lot of guys and, and a lot of early round picks, even on one side of the ball. But when you add it up, Chase Young, you know, was, you know, the number two pick of the draft. Jeff Okuda, the number three pick of the draft. Damon Arnett was a first round pick. You know, Jordan Fuller fell to the sixth round, but should have been, you know, m- drafted much higher. He was a starter for the Rams as a rookie. You know, you had guys like Avon Hamilton, uh, Malik Harrison, that were, I believe, third round picks off that defense. So they lost a ton of guys. I'm sort sure of leaving somebody out too. They lost a ton of guys off that defense. So it was, a, it was a combination of oh, and I, I, sh- I should also mention this. Jeff Hafley's fantastic. Like I love Jeff Halfley. I love him. Like he was only at Ohio State for one year. I could tell he was going to be a good head coach, but I didn't think it was going to be one and done. Um, <laughs> but he. He has everything. And look what he's doing at Boston College. And he's recruiting well there. They, they played over their head this past year. You know he probably had – he's had a good quarterback. He had a pretty good roster, but probably a little bit of a depleted roster when you take over as a first-year head coach. And look what he did. So those are the three things I would say. Jeff Halfley is fantastic. You know, Kerry Combs is still improving. We'll see. The jury is still out. This is a, a you know, put-up or shut-up year for Kerry Combs. I give him mulligan for last year. So losing Jeff Halfley – uh, some schematic differences. And then the amount of talent that they lost is, is you know, was immense off that 2019 defense.
2: Awesome. Uh, I guess final one here, look at the national championship odds, but on on wheel hill and all the great sites out there, uh, Bama one Clemson two, Ohio state really like tight to Clemson there in the hip pocket. than Oklahoma, is that, does that feel right to you? Should they be considered a team that, you know, if they don't make the playoff, it's a disappointment, but maybe not the you know favorite for the net for the natty.
1: That's exactly how I feel, but I'm never a win and maybe if I was covering Alabama I'd feel different. I'm never a national championship or bust guy when it comes to Ohio State. I just think that's foolish. It's Ohio State's been really good for a lot of years. They've won 3, you know, undisputed national championships since 1968. 68, 02 and 2014. 70 they claim one, but it wasn't a real national championship. They've won 3 and they've been really good. It's hard to win national, it's really really hard to win national championships, but I am absolutely for Ohio State this year and most years win the Big Ten, get to the playoff. Not every year. There's some years maybe they're not good enough to get to the playoff, but absolutely this 2021 Ohio State team should win the Big Ten championship or it was a failure, and they should be one of the four teams to make the college football playoff or it's a failure. I am picking Alabama to win the national championship for the, what is it, the 14th straight year, uh, something like that, uh, maybe 14 out of 15 it seems like. Um, but I, th- I would put Ohio State over Clemson. Here's why. If you look at their recruiting rankings over the last five years, Ohio State's out-recruited Clemson, not by a lot. They added up. They've recruited so the their pool of players, I think, I would take Ohio State's roster over Clemson's. I, I would. It's very close. And then you look at what happened last year. Ohio State really took it to them. And even the previous year, that was a 50-50 game in 2019. Has Ohio State passed Clemson? We'll see. It was one game. But I, when you look at what's happened in recruiting, you look at how they took it to them last year, both teams lost a lot of quality players off last year's team. So I don't think if one team is reloaded and one team you know, has everybody back, although Clemson, I think, has their almost their entire defense back. But Ohio State's got this loaded offense coming back. I'd put Ohio State two and Clemson three, splitting hairs. But I think Alabama one, uh, and Ohio State will be national runner up again.
2: Awesome, Dave. Thanks so much. Bucknuts.com is the source for Ohio State coverage. Become a VIP member today. Get all the great recruiting content, and they're just they're just killing it. They're, they're kind of just picking and choosing right now. I mean, like that—that's got to be the fun of it over there. It's just who do we want? All right, cool. Like, does Bama want them? All right, yeah. It might be a battle. If not,
1: go get them. Really enjoy it, man. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. Dude, no doubt.
0: The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance